Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teacher Cast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making Teacher Cast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 201. And today we have an amazing instructional coach on talking all about frameworks, philosophies that you use as you enter your buildings, enter your classrooms. And really, today we're going to see if we can outline for you a way to help move your buildings and your school districts forward. For the last couple of years, I've been working on a philosophy for working with my teachers, both vertically and horizontally. Things that I keep in mind as I enter the classroom, exit the classroom, working with the teachers. And today my guest is gonna show off three great frameworks that she's working with and she has 19 buildings. So if I can do it with a few buildings, she can do it with 19 buildings. You can certainly do this too. You might be asking where I find more information. You can, of course, head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Find us on Twitter at askthetechcoach. And we've got a really great and thriving online community for instructional coaches. Head on over to askthetechcoach.com today and you can sign up for our free instructional coaches network. We've got one on Facebook and we've got one on LinkedIn. We would love to have you join stuff. We're doing live shows all summer. We're doing live meetings all summer and that's going to be continuing into this into the fall when school starts up if you're looking for help with your instructional coaching we are here to help you i've been doing this for the last 10 years and i am on a mission to help you become an amazing instructional coach my guest today is the district teacher technology coach in 19 schools in a great school district in south new jersey i'd like to bring on today miss heather esposito heather how are you today i'm great jeff thank you for having me i'm really excited to share uh, my experience and hopefully inspire other coaches and teachers um, with some of my ideas and experiences. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You and I had a chance to meet a little bit earlier at the ISTE conference a few weeks ago. How was your conference? What did you think of being down there in New Orleans? It was wonderful. Uh, first of all, it was so great to be at a live event again. Um, you know, the biggest thing you see is hashtag IRL in real life. So over the last couple years, making so many connections to folks uh, in, you know, via uh, Twitter or your, your PLNs across the, the nation or the globe, and then meeting people in real life was uh, certainly exciting. And, and all of the learning that took place that uh, myself and my colleagues can now turn key uh, into the next school year is, is really um, exciting um, to unpack everything that I experienced. You know, one of the questions that we talk about a lot here on Ask the Tech Coach is when you go to a mega conference, right? It's easy to get sucked into the product sessions. It's easy to, to get sucked into the vendor floor. But really, I feel that the conferences are the best way to get in touch with other instructional coaches. Absolutely. What was your strategy for going to uh, New Orleans this year? Did you have a chance to really get out and network and meet new people? 
I absolutely. I certainly uh, made it a focus to meet some of the people that heavily in influenced me in the past couple of years, um, such as Adam Juarez, um, who wrote the Complete EdTech um, Coach. I was really excited to meet him and attend um, some of his sessions. But also, um, uh, since I covered 19 schools, preschool through grade 12, I'm sort of on a mission to um, research and uncover exciting ideas for all the folks that I work with. Uh, so I had a goal in mind that I wanted to really find some new and exciting ideas for our media specialists, especially in our 12 elementary schools. Super excited to, to meet some folks who are in um, esports since that's something new and exciting, not only for our school, but nationwide. And then something that I've been really working on is um, infusing personalized learning. So attending sessions, um, you know, whether it was posters or playgrounds on personalized learning and the technologies that make that possible uh, was certainly a big part of my program. Um, but being there and, and seeing everyone and just the excitement, enthusiasm, um, it was really hard not to see something sparkly and head that way. Um, but it's nice that we have everything accessible for quite some time to go back and dig through. Absolutely. There were so many great sessions, both physically, virtually, and, and yes, you're right. You know, walking down the floor, um, you see something shiny and sparkly and you, you <laughs> want to go to it, but you're like, no, my session's... Yes. You know, and New Orleans was like, you know, eight miles long was yes. the, it was it, it literally took over a half an hour to walk. the. They, they said night. it was bigger than two football fields. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. It was absolutely massive. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself here. You said that you're instructional coaching in 19 schools. Last time I checked, there's only five days in a week. How does all <laughs> this work? Um, are you running around? Are you sitting at a desk? Like, what does that look like? Oh, great question. So it's something that has evolved over time. I started uh, the summer of the pandemic back in 2020. But prior to that, I've been doing a lot of things um, as a sort of a side gig workshops and stuff. So I already established a lot of connections to folks already. Um, but I realized that in order to help people in all of these schools, I have to make myself available both in person and digitally. Um, so I do record a lot of professional developments that I can shoot out um, to schools so that they can watch things and then come back with questions. I keep up a regular newsletter that not only provides tips and how-tos, but also highlights the great things that teachers are doing across the district, which kind of does two things. It celebrates what people are doing and also plants seeds of ideas for other people that they want to try. Um, and then when I work with people, um, you know, let's say I work with a language arts teacher in middle school and she has a great idea and we work together, then I kind of plant the idea that now you are a person who can share that with others in your school. And then finally, a, a big thing that has been helpful is um, I use, we have screencast if I submit and I create a, a screencast if I submit link that's connected to my drive where teachers can actually send me a video, uh, a screencast, whatever it is, taking me through whatever problem or question they have. And I can leave comments. I can send a video back. Um, so when I can't you know, physically drive somewhere, I can be in touch with people uh, right away. So screencasting and, and newsletters and anything I can do digitally to kind of bridge that gap of communication has been um, extremely helpful. 
if you're listening to this, it just is a constant reminder. There is no one way to support your teachers. There is no one way to support your buildings or your districts, right? Like if you need to be the person that is in the classrooms because you only have one or two buildings, go be awesome at that. And if you're somebody who's got 19 buildings uh, next week, actually, Heather, we're going to be talking to somebody who has 125 plus buildings and, and she's kicking butt in Philadelphia. Um, there's no wrong way to do the position. There's no right way. And I say this because there's a lot of people who are checking out Ask the Tech Coach for the first time. They're new instructional coaches. They're trying to figure out this position. So no matter if you're one building, two buildings, 19 or 100, right. everybody figures out how to do this job together. And that's why we're so excited to bring this to you today. Your session at ISTE I thought was interesting. I honestly didn't have a chance to get a chance to, to, to see it. But looking through all the resources, talking to you on Twitter, I'm so glad that you're here. Talk to us a little bit about your session this year. Yeah. So um, even though I'm, you know, obviously stretched a little thin, I do have a lot of opportunities to really make a connection with um, a teacher and visit classes over a period of time and go through that coaching cycle. But because I work with so many grade levels and different school cultures and you name it, I think it's really important to come from a common place, um, a common theoretical base that not only helps me keep the message clear throughout, but reaffirms what teachers already do best. Uh, So I'm highly impacted by the work of John Hattie, Invisible Learning. Uh, One of my mentors is Dr. Sunny Magana of Disruptive Classroom Technologies, which kind of takes visible learning and shows how technology integration is aligned. And then the work of the Quality Institute for Student Voice, which looks at all of the elements that we can use to amplify student voice. And then um, our evaluation model, uh, which for many people is also Marzano. So teachers see all of these competing frameworks how do, how do we see intersections? How do we take the things that we're doing daily and make meaningful technology integration so it's not just tech for tech's sake? So I developed a model that helps visualize how to go about that, where you want to start with a, a, a tried and true learning strategy, what it is you're trying to accomplish with your students, both in making them feel celebrated and giving them voice and choice, and also improving their uh, achievement. And so um, I'll take something like, for instance, one of the highest impacts on um, student learning is when students have a chance to self-select artifacts of their learning, be reflective of those th- that learning, and self-appraising their own work. How do, you, how do you do that digitally? Well, it could be a digital portfolio. So we take that strategy that we know has a high impact on learning, right? That's the, the tra- can, can be transcendent, it's contributory, it's um, production. I'm, now I'm talking T3 framework, Sunny Magana. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, maybe you want to make a Google site. Or maybe a student wants to create a series of videos that they compile into, um, you know, a a vlog or a blog, Um, giving them choice, carefully selecting the technology and knowing all of the while that you're supporting and implementing a strategy that is already proven effective 
and also giving chance for students to um, really uh, dive into their own student voice and student choice. It's a happy marriage. It's not taking anything that's saying, here's an idea that just Heather Esposito has. You know, here is the research base. This is what you're already good at. You're already good at pair share. You're already good at jigsaw. You're already good at reciprocal teaching. Now, how can we carefully marry a technology that's going to help teach students innovate, help students collaborate, help students be interactive in ways that they never could before? Um, so all of that sort of in, li in line, and I call them intersections of all of those things that we do best and how you can carefully select the technologies that, that marry with those. Let's unpack some of that. Okay. For many coaches, just getting into classrooms is a challenge. Mm -hmm. For many coaches, building relationships is where they are right now. Um, and even as an experienced coach, there's teachers who getting into a classroom is hard for me, right. making a relationship is hard for me. And then I've got a bunch of, you know, I call them my generals, like we're full sailing on all of this stuff. Yeah. When it comes to the word framework, when it comes to putting a structure together, mm -hmm. I struggle with this. Is this a personal philosophy that you yourself are using? Is this framework a district initiative mm -hmm. that you're putting on. Now I understand like you're the, you're the coach for the district. So yeah. it's a little, it's, a, it's different a little bit, but like when we're looking at T3 and when we're looking mm -hmm. at John Hattie and, and these mm -hmm. are two guys, like we've had them on the show yeah. of talking with them. Where does this start? Does the district have to say to the principal, your coach is following this model or you just have it in the back. I mean, when I walk into a classroom, I know where I am, where I'm going, where I need to be, how I get there. Mm -hmm. That's my framework. And it is built right. on right. all of these influences and things and, you know, people. And so I'll back up even with my question. Yeah. Is a framework a personal philosophy or a district philosophy? Or I guess it could be both, right? But let's right. just start with... Where I'm so glad you asked know. this question. Uh, it is personal, and it's it's personal because this is all sort of grown organically from my intrinsic desire to do the best job that I can for teachers, for students, for um, you know pre preparing students and teachers for the future. You know, they say the education we're doing now isn't for today; it's for for tomorrow, and so. John Hattie's work and Sonny Magana's work all came into my life because I sought it. And um, the work with student voice is something that was a district initiative that just became like a light bulb moment for me that I couldn't wait to enact with my students. And once you see the results personally, you just can't wait to share them out. So I rarely come in and say, hey, everyone, look at this model. This is what we're going to do. I don't do that. It's it's in here and it's in here and it translates. And it was interesting because I brought my colleague, Jody Gelman, she's a fourth grade teacher at Thomas Paine with me because we, we worked together so much last year, infusing a lot of these strategies, um, bringing students into the discussion. And when I laid out all of these visuals, she was like, wow, 
this is where this all came from. I said, yeah. You know, if I had spent a lot of time saying, you know, connect these dots, look at this, and this came from the top, and I'm sharing it with you, it might not have worked out so well. Now, does my district, you know, see that John Hattie's work and Sonny's work is, yes, they do, but none of it was a top down. It all kind of came about organically from my personal experience and then just trying it with teachers and seeing how much easier it made my job knowing what I was coming from this one place, this one base of work. I'm so glad you just mentioned it that way because when I work with a teacher, again, I I, I know where I am. I know where I'm going. I see where I want to go, right? It might not be traditional. It might not feel like a coaching cycle. I mean, I I've been, I've said once or twice, like I don't do coaching cycles and people have said, no, you are doing a co-. like, yeah. yep. you know, your definition is different than mine. Exactly. I'm always finding that I'm thinking forward. So that way, when I'm working with you as a third grade teacher, I have my plan for you, but I'm also knowing that when I work with the fourth grade teachers, what I'm really doing is getting the third grade students to be ready for fourth grade. So I know for myself, I'm always trying to vertically align what I'm doing two to three years down the road. Mm -hmm. So I can turn around and say, look at what we're doing across the board. Exactly. Rather than individual teacher to individual teacher. That being said, the word framework is still a very abstract thing. Yeah. How do you define the term framework in one sentence or less? I'd say a framework is not a guide, but a blueprint of a variety of ideas, um, a lot, a variety of um, tools that all can be used for a specific purpose. How you, how you, for instance, for the Quality Institute, um, under um, a, a sense of belonging is the idea that students have heroes. How that's part of the framework. How you, as a teacher, do that—it's up to you. There's no rule. There's no like you have to do this one thing. Um, But a framework gives you a sense of this is a blueprint and how I put things together is up to me as an individual, but I'm following um, a set of theories, a set of beliefs and something that we're all working towards a common goal. That was more than one sentence, but (laughs) um, that's how I view it. When working in your framework, Mm -hmm. whether it be the Hattie framework, T3, something that you've gotten, how... What advice do you give to to coaches who might need to explain this concept to their administrator, to another coach? I've talked to so many coaches over the last years and, 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 you know, just like myself, I, I know the vision, but when I try to explain it, I shoot way over their heads. Yeah. And... You know, my principal just wants me to come in and get the job done. And I'm going, wait a minute, you got to, right? Do you just keep this stuff to you? Do you just keep this stuff to yourself? Do you ever get into a professional development? Like, have you ever gotten into like, you know, your Monday professional development meetings and you've explained to your entire teaching staff, not 
hi, I'm a coach. This is what I'm doing, but here's the overall strategic plan for you. And this is where you, I, I, I don't know how I would feel if I was a teacher and the coach said, here's where you are in the large scheme of things. Yeah. No, I don't do that. I, I try to make things personal. I try to make things specific to the individual teacher or the cohort of teachers goal. I think it's really important to have anecdotes and success stories and to hone in on one specific example rather than here's everything you could possibly do and here's every reason why. Um, so for instance, um, going back to the idea of like digital portfolios, um, if I want to sort of explain why, why we're doing a digital portfolio, I might pinpoint, well, here is the effective learning strategy that you would be focusing on or honing in on. And this is how it's going to potentially amplify student voice. And this is how... Um, these are some of the technology tools that will help you. So I'm giving, I'm making it more specific and more focused on the objective. I'm still referring to the pieces of that bigger picture of all those intersections of ideas, but I'm personalizing it to their objective and their goal. Because if you stand up and you talk theories and this is how it all lines and this is the whole, it's like, wait, teachers want to take away. I want right. to know what I can do right now tomorrow and I want to know how you can help me. And teachers often say, well, how will this work? Are you going to come in and lead the whole thing? Am I going to do this? And I say, well, what works for you? Where do you feel comfortable? Do you want me to create a video that you're going to share with your students? Do you want me to come in and lead something? And then it, it always happens organically when you listen to the teacher that you're working with, when you find out as much as you can about the students and then you just kind of go from there. Um, there's not one guidebook. When you say, I'm not doing a coaching cycle, because it could look different for every teacher that you work with, and it only works well when you're both listening and hearing each other throughout the process. 201 episodes, and every single one of them, Heather, has always come down to it's about the relationship. Mm -hmm. And... We can have as coaches our own personal frameworks. We can have as departments our strategic vision, our goals. We can have our t-shirts and our coffee mugs that shout how great we are. But ultimately, it comes down to will a teacher be vulnerable with you to let you into their room to have that conversation? And, and at what point does a teacher see value in you Right. That you're here for the mission of helping them be good with their students. Mm -hmm. And talk to the people right now who are new at coaching, right? Because there are a lot of t coaches out here listening to this that might be new, might be uh, of younger age. Right. And, and, are, and are struggling to maybe find their footings. Mm -hmm. I know from ISTE there's a lot of younger coaches, God, I feel old, younger <laughs> coaches. And I've had these conversations with them where they say, I have a hard time relating to the older generation. Right. What advice do you have for younger coaches or even older coaches yeah. in cross-generational relationships? That sounds weird, but ultimately it does come down to how do you figure out the right altitude to form that conversation and relationship with? 
This is a great question. And I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm like you, this is my 23rd year teaching. And I spent 20 years in the classroom before moving into coaching. So, and many of those years teaching, I was in an inclusion classroom setting where I was working with another teacher. Um, I think if you make it about a common goal, um, what is it that you want you want to work on together? Tell me about your students. Come in, be visible. The first time you come in, it could be that, you know, they want you to show them one thing, but just hang out. Walk around, say, can I, you know, can I talk to your students? Can I, can I hear what they have to say? Hang out. Say, do you want to, um, after we, you know, we meet in the classroom, do you want me, you want to come have a cup of coffee and kind of talk about it and share some more? And then you share some things after, you know, I really noticed this really cool thing you were doing. Tell me more about it. Or um, I really was curious about something that you, your students said, could you tell me more about that as well? So you're, you're saying you're coming in as an ally. You're coming in as a collaborator. I'm not here to tell you you're doing something wrong or I'm going to make it better. I'm here to be another teacher in your classroom. I'm not an administrator. I'm another teacher joining in to see how I can make your students do something more innovative, to give you a new skill set, and to do it with you. Uh, not to say, here, here's the, the tool, here's the thing, now go do it. I'll do it with you. And I've had a lot of teachers say, well, I'd love you to try it first, and I want to sit back and participate. And the cool thing about that is nine times out of 10, when they sit back and participate, they see things through their students' eyes that they never had an opportunity to see before because they're participating and not leading it. And then maybe the next time they'll come up and do it with me or take over and then I can observe some of the things. Um, so when you, when you go about it as a collaboration and a partnership, I, I think it's really easy to connect with any teacher, whether they're new or a veteran teacher, um, because there's no threat in that. It's more of a, a connection and a, and a bond that you're forming with the teacher and with the students. I hope everybody right now hits the rewind button <laughs> because that is some of the best advice we have had on here. Oh, wow. And I'm going to follow that up if I can, if I'm going to try here and say, don't get frustrated if you don't pick up every single teacher that you attempt. Some, you know, I always like to talk about the, uh, the inclusion curve or the learning innovation curve, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to walk into your first job. You might even be in the school for five or six years already. You know, you're going to have three or four teachers that are going to love you, hug you and want to just spend a lot of time with you and are willing to be malleable. Right. Then you're going to have 10 to 15 teachers who you're going to have to win over. Mm -hmm. But that isn't going to be difficult. Like you just have to show them and they'll right. run. Right. And then once you get to the other side of the curve, that's when, and this isn't the political term, <laughs> peer, peer pressure takes over and they say, well, if this person's doing it, I'll try it too. Yeah. Because they're seeing what their neighbor is doing. And then you've got what we call the laggards, which is the, I'm never going to do this. Oh, yep. crud, it's mandated. Ah, oh, come on. Enlist this is the time. diffusion of innovation. Theory. The diffusion of innovation theory. Yeah. And I always say I'm on the springboard jumping off. Yes. <laughs> but and, not everybody's there. And you have, as a coach, you need to realize that not everybody's ready to, to leap right away. Sometimes they need examples. Sometimes they need to hear from other teachers. Sometimes they want you to show them. Um, and I, I have an example of this I think would be beneficial. 
Uh, so I, I started with the help of a media specialist. Um, I started this initiative to create more enthusiasm for reading in the elementary school level to have uh, fourth, third, fourth and fifth graders start creating digital book trailers where they were taking a high interest book that they loved and enjoyed, taking all the stuff that they learned about genre study, authors, um, all the all storytelling components. And we used Canva as a platform and gave them lots of choices of how they built their video, um, how they created their video. Um, I was able to make it into about five of the 12 elementary schools to do this with the idea that eventually they would start sharing their book trailers across district, really authentic content creation. With that one activity, it launched into so many different other applications. I had teachers say, well, I wanna try this with the American History, American Women in History Month activity that I used to do. Yep. Or I'm gonna you know, have students use this as a supplemental during their independent exploration activities with nonfiction. And so I wasn't involved in any of that. I was involved in the initial project, but it caught on like wildfire. And teachers were able to help each other and see a variety of ways to apply this one tool to all different strategies and activities that they had done differently in the past. And that again just goes back to this concept that if you have one teacher that you're pushing ahead, what you should be thinking about is how can I not only just help that teacher, but leverage the materials that you're working with that teacher to now you've got examples. Mm -hmm. Now you've got samples. Now you've got a test study. So now you can go to, you know, teacher B and say, over here, look at what we were doing. Right. But, but now you're on chapter seven. So mm -hmm. here's what it might look like. Cause yeah. you're, you're not, you're, I don't want to say never, but you're, you're never going to get every teacher on the same chapter at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Even when working with uh, with a single grade, you might get three out of four. Great. Well, the fourth yep. one might not take to your concepts for another month or two, mm -hmm. but you still have to work on getting their students on board because the students, yeah. you know, ultimately we are here to help students meet the digital learning standards. Mm -hmm. We're doing that through coaching and learning and innovation and stuff like that. But you're different here because you have 19 buildings. I want to jump back to this before yeah. we wrap up today because sure. you might not be able to have personal relationships. Mm -hmm. You might not be able to have, you know, the one-on-one -on -one because five days in a week, right? Like you might be able to have an email relationship with somebody, mm -hmm. uh, a, 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 a professional relationship with somebody, and then a face-to-face -face relationship with somebody. How do you juggle all those different styles. I mean, somebody might come to you and say, I need a tutorial or what do you got? Or come to my classroom and you yeah. might not be able to get to them for a couple of days. By yeah. that point, the lesson's over. Right. Um, I do a lot of work in my downtime, creating resources, creating quick screencasts of things. And I try to do as many whole school, mini PD sessions as I can. So if I can't, reach individuals. I can do something for either a whole school or a whole grade level. Um, at the elementary school level, we call them PLCs and they happen in the morning. So in working with the administrator or in hearing from a group of teachers, hey, this is something we want, I can then run a 30-minute session that hits the whole school. From there, some teachers will just take it and run with it. 
Or you typically I'll find two or three teachers or say, can you come back again and do some more? So um, combining um, a whole school, um, even if it's like, again, a little mini PD session or providing some sort of flipped tutorial will cover a lot of bases initially. And then you'll hear from, from some folks who say, I need a little bit more. Um, and then also, you know, providing a monthly newsletter that I divide into, here are some quick tips, here are some highlights of what people are doing, and then here is, um, you know, my plan moving forward. People will either, uh, you know, attach on, oh, I saw this cool thing, I'm going to try it, or here are some tips that I can use. And then those that really want to follow up and do more will then contact me after that newsletter comes out. Um, so it's just a variety of whole school, by department, by grade level, and then working with the individuals who then seek me out as a result. Coaches, I want you to rewind that too, because <laughs> we've, we've had these discussions on many shows. Now that we're in the middle of the summer, this is the time where you set up those conversations during the year. Like I can't urge coaches listening to this enough. Email your principal. Hey, how you doing? When can I get in touch with you? Can I stop by for a half an hour? Mm -hmm. What are your goals? What's the district asking you? Um, here's some ideas for what I've done in the past how can I do this? You might have a principal that doesn't allow you to right. just do a 30 minute lunch and learn, or you right. know, maybe, maybe the union is not happy with all of this extra time, or maybe it's not in the union's contract to be meeting with setting up those goals. Now is a lot better than coming in in the middle of October and saying, so how do I do my job? Definitely. You want to be having these conversations ahead of time. 19 buildings, I'm assuming you can you can blink once for yes and twice for no. <laughs> I'm assuming you're in very close contact with your administrators. So that way you know some buildings prefer this, mm -hmm. some buildings prefer this. Absolutely. Yeah. What what is your summer looking like right now? Are you making those first of all, are you 10 or 12 months, but are you making those connections now? Are you having those conversations? What is your summer looking like? I certainly am. So um, aside from digging through all of the great ideas from ISTE and um, reconnecting with the people that I met in person, I am. I am making those plans. So for instance, um, meeting with our one of our directors of curriculum, she is in charge of all of the elementary media specialists. She focuses on language arts and history. And we're going to talk about some ways to enhance or kind of combine station rotation or stations in for media specialists with some new technologies. That is happening next week. Uh, once that meeting happens, then I can kind of go to the administrators and start working with uh, media specialists potentially before the summer is even over. Um, I also will and, and ask for copies of um, schedules for September and October and talk with uh, t uh, the administrators at various levels about what some of their uh, immediate goals are for the beginning of the year and how I can be a part of that. So all of that, I'm a, an 11 month employee. So I work 10 days in July and 10 in August. 
Um, and I would do a lot with working with building level and also with other coaches because we have math coaches, we have literacy coaches, and I try to work with them as well so that we're, we're all kind of hearing the same message and working collaboratively as, uh, as a team of coaches as well. You know, everything that we're talking about today has been a podcast, should be a podcast, and will be a podcast in the future. If you are listening to this with just, you know, your pencils are running and your notes are running, please know that we have detailed show notes. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast episode 201. Um, we've got a lot of great things here, and we certainly want to have Heather come back on because, you know, the one question I didn't ask you today, but has been on my mind to ask you is, what's the best way for instructional coaches to have a framework, get all this stuff done, make sure they're moving forward relationships, when at the same time, there's one, two, maybe even three other coaches also vying for those same teachers. Now, look, we don't have time for that. Please feel free to come on. If you have any questions about this topic, please feel free to reach out to us at Ask the Tech Coach on Twitter. That's what we're here for. You can, of course, join our Instructional Coaches Network either on LinkedIn or on Facebook. We're doing really well in supporting each other, asking questions and sharing resources. So please take a moment and reach out to us. We are here to help you out. Heather, if anybody has questions about this, if they're curious about frameworks or getting started or any of these great topics, um, how does somebody get a hold of you? The best way and the way you got in touch with me initially was through Twitter. Um, I, my handle is at Mrs. H. Esposito on Twitter. Uh, you could also um, find me through uh, the Cherry Hill School District website. Um, I'm listed there as the technology coach. Um, but because my PLN is so important, I'm on Twitter a lot, connecting with folks and scoping out great ideas. So that would be the fastest way to get in touch with me. Highly recommend... Um, keeping in touch with Heather. Heather is certainly going to be invited into our Facebook group. So I hope you have a chance to check that out and contribute and be a part and ask Heather some questions. Wealth of knowledge. So happy that you're on the show today. Thank um, you. thank you so much for coming on today, Heather, and sharing your passions with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. And that wraps up Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 201. We have certainly covered a lot of important topics, things we're going to be unpacking over the summertime and throughout this entire year. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button and share this podcast with everybody else. One more time, we've got a great instructional coaching program over on Ask the Tech Coach. You can check out our Facebook and LinkedIn stuff. Would love to have you guys on there. So that wraps up this episode on behalf of Heather and everybody here on TeacherCast. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.